You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily. I'm Ben. We're a part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how did they get that job? Or what is that job really like? Then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. And today we're joined by Chris McGilvray. Hey guys. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. And Chris McGilvray is a filmmaker uh, with Nomadic Bear Productions. And can you tell us a little bit about how you became a filmmaker and how you got into this business? Yeah, I always loved film. Ever since uh, I was a kid, it was one of those things where favorite things to do was either go to the movie store or go to the movie theater because I just like got like transported. It was such an engaging medium for me. And so I think I kind of figured out that I wanted to be a filmmaker at a pretty young age. I mean, probably about, you know, 12, 13 years old, I, um, you know, got a, a video camera from my parents and, you know, my brother and I started to play around and make films and that kind of thing. And so I decided at a very young age that I really wanted to, to make films for a living. And everything I was focused on was narrative film, the kind of things that, you know, you traditionally see, obviously, at the movie theater or at the time it was like VHS, you know, right. at home. And uh, so I ended up going to USC film school. It's one of the top film schools to go to in this country if you really want to go towards the established film industry, you know, which is kind of Hollywood, as, as people would say it. And I went through that experience. I studied critical studies, um, the study of film. What I kind of realized after spending my time there was that I loved filmmaking, but I wasn't as interested in the film industry, the, the traditional Hollywood studio system. And so I actually left Los Angeles and came to San Francisco and I started making kind of independent films, you know, my friends and those kind of things to, to be able to make these short films. And um, I actually joined up with this really cool co-op called Scary Cow. And everybody pays their dues every single month. And then the idea is that like, you know, say you have a camera and maybe you have some audio equipment, somebody else has some lights, somebody else, you know, has some art direction experience. Everybody like joins up and brings what they have Mm, to be able to make films. Because one of the things that's a real challenge when you're getting started out with making films, it's a very expensive medium. Right. It's very equipment heavy, it's labor intensive. And it's like, you may have written a script and have this wonderful idea of like this film that you want to make, but then you take a look at it and you're like, how am I going to be able to pay for any of this? Yeah, you have to build a world, essentially. Totally. Yeah. It's all about like, yeah, I mean, world building. That's really kind of the, the perfect expression for traditional narrative filmmaking. And so I start doing that and I did probably, I think, three different short films with them. And I, you know, had a full-time job. Actually, I was working for a water conservation company as a project manager to pay the bills. And then I would spend my time on the weekends really working on my short films as that was my passion. Right. And I actually met another filmmaker there. His name's Scott Krinsky. He's a little bit older than me. He had um, 
really been in the tech industry. We we started out and had a really good relationship. And we're like, hey, why don't we make kind of a corporate video production company? And at the time, this was in 2009. And mm. so that was like the birth of the DSLR movement. So that was such a huge transition point for kind of independent filmmaking as well as corporate video because up until that point it was like there was this separation you was you would either have a you know a film camera mm -hmm. which was extremely expensive and it gave you all the greatest technology you would want high quality imagery or you would have a video camera that had a fixed lens on it and so you could never replicate the same kind of shots that you saw in your favorite narrative films right. because you couldn't get shallow depth of field with a video camera lens. It's not really made for that. And so there was this huge separation between the two. It was like you either were making a film or you were doing either event video or corporate video. And so when the DSLR movement came along, it enabled you to use the lenses from still cameras, which were equal, almost equal quality to lenses you would get from these amazing film cameras for a much cheaper price because you're only paying for a still camera. And so that completely changed the industry right there. And we came along kind of at the right at that start of it and where it, how that changed the corporate video industries that a lot of companies started looking for more filmic corporate communications as opposed to it being kind of stiff where it used to be you would just show up and set your camera on on sticks on a tripod and right. like you know just to interview somebody mm -hmm. and the truth is no matter how interesting somebody is if you're watching a video of them and it's just them talking you're really underutilizing the medium of cinema and it just gets boring no matter how amazing they are because it's like film is such a visual medium you know right. and so that's that's kind of what it used to be and right along around 2009 we got started in it that's when especially a lot of tech companies started to get more interested in doing more filmic style filmmaking for their corporate communications and so that's really what we got our start at doing and it was kind of this it's this interesting thing because it's like I was a narrative filmmaker. That's what I'd always wanted to be. And in narrative filmmaking, it's all about world building, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you start with a blank slate, just a white page, and you're like, anything you can dream up, you can create. And that's where filmic language thing comes up. You try and figure out all the different ways that you can visualize a scene or use a space or use different wardrobe design and all lighting and all of these things to be able to completely control that audience experience and what i found myself doing at that time was kind of documentary pieces for my corporate clients that would utilize kind of the the filmic language stuff like we really really focus on okay the difference between shooting in a close-up versus shooting in a medium shot or a wide shot the difference between a fast-paced intense music versus a more emotionally driven slower more contemplative piece of music and bringing that to to a documentary style production mm -hmm. 
along the lines I've always loved about film is it's like the amalgam of all art forms. There's music composition mm-hmm. from the composer, yeah. and that's playing with the the script that's been written by the writer, and then the actors are bringing sort of the theatricality, and they're actually performing it, and then the photography side is obviously the camera, and then there's, mm-hmm. yeah, the costumes and that kind of thing. And so all of those things are working together at the same time. And when you have that working in unison, it can make a really, really powerful experience. And so that's kind of been our sort of guiding light as we make films is that I don't treat individual corporate video projects like, you know, video projects. We treat them like films. Every single one is an individual film that uses as much of the filmic language as you possibly can to be able to create that full immersive experience for your audience member. And uh, for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Ben and I'm joined by Emily. We're speaking with Chris McGilvray and learning about their journey to becoming a filmmaker. What skills or qualities would you say are the most important in a filmmaker? The ability to visualize is really, really important. Again, because it's a visual medium. Being able to sort of imagine how things go in your your mind before you actually get there is really, really powerful. Do you storyboard things, like physically in real life? So that's that's an interesting part of my process is Mm -hmm. that since I've, I really am a, a documentarian, which is basically a storyteller. It's, it's leveraging my, my clients, my subject stories and helping them get it out. Yeah. And so I actually, when I film what is called B-roll, which is basically all the imagery side of the, let's say I'm doing a, a subject, I do a lot of work in the wine industry. We'll go and obviously film the, the vineyard team working out in the vineyards and all of that kind of stuff. And that will largely be what you physically see while you hear the, the people that have been interviewed telling their story or the story of the wine or the story of the winery. And when I do that, it's largely you show up at a location, you don't have control over what people are going to do or what they're trying to do. Your job is actually to really make a film out of what you actually experience, what right. you see. And that's kind of where the my love of, of cinema and the, my crew as well, we have this intense knowledge of the films that we have seen before. And so we can see images and know how to film it in a manner to be able to make it really filmic so that you capture that moment and then you can naturally integrate it into the film. So at this point, I don't really storyboard because I don't fully know what's going to happen. I Mm -hmm. come up with shot lists and in an ideal scenario, these are the things we're trying to capture. But I really like kind of a, I guess, a reportage style, which is I like to show up in the real environment and get people to forget that we're even there filming them mm-hmm. so that they will naturally just interact with their environment. And that's where you get kind of that that core truth. You can really see how somebody does what they do or cares about what they do. Mm-hmm. And how do you choose which projects to work on? So it's been a really interesting thing to, to learn about is... You know, when I started, um, 
I was really just looking for work. We would take almost anything if somebody was willing to pay us mm -hmm. to be able to make a video because obviously I had to, in case anybody hasn't noticed, pretty expensive place to live. Yeah. And so, you oh, know, yeah. Yeah. at the end of the day, you gotta make some kind of money. And so it was interesting, like, for those first five years, we did all different kinds of things. I mean, I did everything from explainer videos to comedic wannabe viral videos to music videos, movie trailers to a lot of these sort of documentary style pieces. And so what I found through years of doing this is that we're really good at making cinematic documentary style pieces if A, it's a company that really stands by what they say. You will find some people, certain companies have messaging that doesn't line up with the reality of what they yeah. actually are, right? Yeah. And I found out the hard way mm -hmm. that if we try and do our process with a company like that, it tends to not work out well because it uncovers that disconnect between the image that they are presenting and the brand that they are presenting versus the reality of what it's actually like to work there or what they're actually doing. So right. that's been a key one is to try and identify clients that and the people really love what they do. That's, mm -hmm. that's a, such a key component. I love passion. Right. I, if somebody is passionate, they could be passionate about like the most obscure thing to me, I find it fascinating, and I think that's kind of at the core of what makes something really filmic. People getting excited, you just, as an audience member, feel that energy, and you're like, you just want to know more, you know? A, a lot of what my favorite stuff that we have done is, is about why you do what you do, or why something matters, you know? Like, to me, I think that's the most important thing. If you're going to be thinking about a career, you're going to be thinking about getting a job. It's like you are going to spend such an inordinate <laughs> amount of right. your life doing yeah. that. Like yeah. it's if you, you know, track the timeline, how much time you spend in your career versus all the other aspects of your life. It's like, to me, it's just not worth it unless... You love it. Now, are you going to love every element of it? No way. Absolutely not. Right, right. But it still needs to be the kind of thing that, like, it'll get you out of bed in the morning, and it's something that you're excited to do. And what would you say some of your favorite projects that you've worked on are? I really love a lot of the work that I've done in the wine industry, which is interesting. I really into wine when I originally got a project. I got a, a grant in uh, 2015 to basically track the 2015 vintage in the Santa Cruz Mountains Appalachian with four different wineries. And I had had wine before, but I wasn't like, it. I was not a wine guy. Mm -hmm. Actually, ironically, I think kind of the, the thing that, that helped us was that I loved agriculture and I loved fruit. And really, what I found is that at kind of the, the core of the finest wines really is the finest grapes. It's all about the ability to find a really special plot of land, grow those grapes in a really, really careful and natural manner, and then get sort of the, the essence of that grape out of it. And that's what actually ends up in the, in the bottle. That's really interesting because that sounds like a parallel to what you do 
kind of in your in your documentarian job. It's kind of the same formula, right? Definitely. Yeah. And it's I I Ben, I think that's like a perfect analogy. I think of why it works really well because it's like um, one of my clients, Rich Vineyards, that you know I I really really respect, and they respect the work that we do together. Their whole thing is maximum attention, minimal intervention. They can tell you anything that's ever going on, you know, either in the vineyard or in the winery, where the wine is. They could get down to the, like, molecular biology level oh, wow. of in yeah. the compound. Like, they could tell you anything technical. How many amino acids are in there? Any, anything, man. They right. could, yeah, they could tell you all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they try and not intervene in the natural process. And I think that is largely kind of process is that we know all of these things about filmmaking are very very conscious at all times of you know how the lighting is how the framing is how this is going to fit into the overall story that we're trying to do how this works with the what's going to connect with the audience that you're trying to to do how it's still going to be able to essentially sell some kind of a product somewhere but at the same time we really try and not stage anything right and I, I really really work hard to like just let let things happen and film them in a natural manner and what would you say is the most stressful part of your job um there's two really really hard parts one is account management account management is really really hard account management is being able to do the dance between two different sides right one is the business side of what I do. I mean, I am hired by corporate entities or nonprofits or sometimes individuals, and they are paying good money to be able to produce a piece that is going to be goal-oriented and have some benefit to a project or business or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very, very important. At all times, you got to remember that they're not just hiring you to make this beautiful piece of art if it doesn't actually accomplish their project goals it fails Mm -hmm. so then the other side of it is the creative side because as a as an artist art doesn't really necessarily naturally integrate with commerce it's the creative process is a very very different thing definitely and so having the account manager really dances between keeping the client's best interests at heart at all times and protecting the creative team and the artists that are actually creating this work and figuring out what that fine line between those two is. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard. I've had situations where I've had to be both, where I'm producing and being the account manager as well as directing and actually one in charge of the creative. And that's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. It's much better to have two separate people so that, you know, you can separate them and that's really what an account manager is also with that the hardest part i find in the process 
is what is called a rough cut. So when we make these documentary films, like we don't even, we don't do a script. We do a narrative outline because I can figure out and work with you to identify what the, the key messaging components of any given project are and making sure that, okay, these are the you know things that are, let's say, going to differentiate us from our competitors. And so we'll make sure we have all this key messaging in the finished piece. But I do real natural interviews, much like you guys are doing today. And I can't control what people are going to say. I can guide them and help them sort of shape that story in the way that we want to. But when it comes down to it, you don't get to control exactly what they say. And so the messaging is in there, but it's kind of buried under the naturalism of people speaking. Because, again, I really, really believe that... I would sacrifice perfect messaging for true human interaction any day of the week. Because if somebody is too on message, it's like you just don't trust them. That's mm -hmm. one of the reasons people struggle with politicians a lot. Right. The politicians are, it's actually, that's been one of the harder style of project I've had to do. I've done a, a couple of projects with politicians and it's really, really hard because politicians are trained to have complete control over their linguistic capability and never make a mistake because if they say something that is off message, it, you know, it blows yeah. up in the viral universe <laughs> and that can like completely take down their entire campaign. And when you get somebody like that, it's hard because it's un yeah. it's unhuman. People can't, we can't control our language yeah. that well. What do you say to them? Uh, what kind of conversation do you have? <sighs> um, it's it's an interesting question. I, I I'm gonna admit it. I haven't fully been able to crack that one. I, I wouldn't be able to either. I don't it's think. it's yeah. really hard, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like I try a lot of soft interviewing and a lot of softball questions at first, and you know, a lot of the the time we will do a lot of really, really soft questions at the beginning that, you know, sort of asking people where they grew up and what their childhood experiences were like so that a lot of the time I don't even want them to realize that we're rolling and doing the interview because the thing that's interesting with what we do is that I can take one soundbite that you said at, say, minute two, and then I can combine it with something you said at minute 35 and make a full sentence out of that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't come out that way. You didn't actually communicate it that way. It's not a live stream of an actual conversation. And in that regard, you know, one of the things that I like to say is that I take what you say and I make it what you mean. Uh, yeah. Because I love the wandering nature of the human brain and how, you know, people... I mean, I'm even noticing it in myself as I'm talking right now. I'm jumping from topic to topic because it's so hard to be so succinct and stay on message at all times. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of the editing process is that you can, in post-production, take those different pieces and weave that story together right. in a more succinct and coherent manner that really leverages all the, all the best parts to be able to make something coherent, you know. And for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by our other host, Emily. We're speaking with Chris McGilvray and learning about their journey to becoming a filmmaker. 
And um, speaking of like refining and, and editing, um, when you're doing that with your projects, do you try to leave a message or theme, like a per something that's personal to you? I do. I mean, I think that kind of comes back to the piece about choosing clients and choosing the right projects. It's got to be something I connect with that like makes sense to me because I think a large part of our process is... Again, it's about helping people explain why they do what they do. And so that has to revolve around like some higher level theme that makes sense to me that I that I care about. And I think that that always inherently sort of ends up in the work when it's when it's successful work. And it's it's kind of an interesting thing because I can't fabricate something that somebody else didn't say like you have to say it it has to be part of your story but i choose the parts of that story that i find really really interesting and compelling that connect with the stories that i want to tell and that's kind right. of how that that marriage works out right so it's kind of like you're telling your own story and their story at the same time <laughs> and meeting yeah. those two together interesting and what advice would you give to someone that's interested in pursuing filmmaking Really, the best advice is to just go out and start making things and start experimenting with it. Because I got caught up, and a lot of people I have met get caught up in assuming that this is my process or this is the kind of film that I want to make. Like I said, I happen to love, I still watch way more narrative films. That's my passion. That's my love, way more than documentary films. But I happen to have this skill at making documentary films with sort of a, a cinema through a cinematic lens. Mm. And it took me a while to identify that because I was so rigid about, Oh, I want to like, I, I happen to love Westerns. I love like Sergio Leone is one of my favorite filmmakers. And I love like the good, the bad and the ugly. And once upon a time in the West. And I always wanted to make a Western. And every time that I would sit down and try and write one, it was like, I never felt like they were really, really strong pieces because that's not necessarily my skill. My skill is actually talking to somebody else and helping them connect the dots mm -hmm. so that we can see that, that story on a much larger picture and doing it through a very, very filmic lens, thinking about it like, oh, wow, if Sergio Leone was going to make a documentary film, how would he shoot this? If he was going to come out to the vineyards or the agriculture industry or a nonprofit, how would he visualize that? And so that's the maintaining the part of the, the passion and the love that I have for narrative film, but use, using it in a manner that works better for my for a process that worked perfectly for me so i guess the other piece of advice nobody is good at everything right you know yeah. like it just it doesn't work that way like that's one of the reasons that film industry has largely been extremely compartmentalized it's really based around specialists in a lot of ways where they teach you okay let's you got to choose which one of these things you want to focus on you're only going to do audio or you're only going to do editing and you're going to become a master of that particular thing right i'm not necessarily that rigid because i like to do a lot of different aspects i like to shoot certain projects although a lot of other projects i'm more hands-off on but I think it is important to identify 
the weaknesses that you have, because we all have them, and it's not easy to admit to like, you know what, I'm really not that great at this. Yeah, definitely. And find somebody or a group of people that are going to be able to help you in that matter, because there are other people out there that are really good at the things that you're not any good at. And so if you can find a team that has a bunch of people that are doing what they're really, really good at, that's when you get kind of the, the strongest project in the end. Okay. And uh, finally, is there any resources you'd like to leave with our listeners, such yeah, as a website? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to check out any of our work, we are nomadicbearproductions.com. I really do love what I do. There's a lot of different things <laughs> about it that are really, really hard. The hours can be really, really crazy. It's hard to be freelance because it, when it rains, it pours, and then sometimes it goes fallow, as they say. So you either have too much work or not enough. But it's, uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't change it. I really, really love what I do, and I, I encourage people to figure out what it is that they actually love and what would get them excited, and you can really find a way to be able to make that a reality. Right on. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much, Chris, for yeah. being here. And thank you to all of our KSQE listeners tuning into today's career story with your hosts, Ben and Emily, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Chris McGilvray, who is a filmmaker from Nomadic Bear Productions. And if you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.